Thank you for tuning in to the First Gen Hunter Podcast, the go-to resource for those seeking to establish a foundation in hunting knowledge, skills, and tactics. Hey there, First Gen Nation. This is episode 28 of the First Gen Hunter podcast. Wow, it's crazy that we're already there. Speaking of already there, we are on the back end of the rut. Yep, past the best days of rutting activity in most parts of the country. I hope you've had some success, but if you've been like me, you just haven't been able to get in the right place at the right time. Oh, I've seen some pretty cool rutting activity saw an absolute giant just under a week ago but i have not seen hardly any activity since so it starts to get kind of rough but don't worry there's something glorious that revives the soul of all of us deer hunters who still have unnotched tags and that is good old gun season if you're like me there's been plenty of times this year while you were bow hunting that had you had a gun you would have been able to put a real nice rack of antlers on the wall and more importantly all that delicious free range venison in the freezer and now is our time we brought in an expert mr trevor schmidt to talk to us about gun season whitetail hunting Trevor is a gun nut. He loves to collect guns. He loves to load his own ammunition. He's going to tell us all about that here in a few minutes. And he loves hunting. So when he can make both of those worlds combine, it's a pretty special time for him. And I'm going to guess that there's a few other first-gen listeners out there who also love guns and who love gun season whitetail hunting. Or maybe you're just a new hunter and you don't have a bow yet but you do have a shotgun or a muzzle loader or an old deer rifle and you're planning to hop into the woods this year and put it to use well this episode is especially there for you in fact that's how i got started hunting and uh, i could have used a gun season episode for sure so this one is for you episode 28 of the first gen hunter podcast gun season with mr trevor schmidt Brandon, you and I have so much in common. Yeah, I'd say so. Uh, we both love hunting. We um, don't care what the weather's like. We love just being outside, whether that's being, you know, not just hunting, but it could be fishing, could be uh, yep. hiking or whatever. Um, mm-hmm. Trying to think. Uh, we we went, we stayed in the same dorm when we were in college. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, we were both totally blown away by this incredible buck that we're going to talk about here in a minute that we saw post over the yes. weekend. Yes. And sadly, the number one thing we both have in common right now is we mm. are buckless for 2020. 
That is true. We're hoping to change that very soon. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Man, some days <laughs> it just you, it starts to wear on you a little bit. You know, we're getting yeah. getting anxious for that uh for that uh good action there, but we just gotta gotta uh, bide our time and be thankful for the chance to get outside and enjoy all the good good parts that go into hunting that make it so much better than anything else, right? Uh, yep, for sure. So uh, tonight we have a special guest, and uh, the special guest is actually uh, in a kind of a, a roundabout way tied to this incredible buck story because uh, a mutual friend of ours killed quite quite the dandy this weekend. We're gonna we're just gonna talk about that here in a second, but we have yeah. with us. We are privileged to have with us Mr. Trevor Schmidt, uh, who is good friends with our buddy Cole Young, and uh, he mm. he also is uh, kind of tied in with the guys over at uh, Working Class, and uh, he's just a great guy. And you know, oddly enough, Trevor and I are graduates from the same high school. And remember, oh, awesome. I, I'm I'm a first gen hunter, so hunting was not in my background at the time. And, uh, yeah. Trevor was actually three years ahead of me in school. I believe he was in my sister's graduating class. So he knew my sister and you know how that is okay. when you got, you got an older sibling, you know, they, you know, who all their classmates are because, you know, you, you kind of look up to them, you know, they're, they're cool. They're older yeah. than you and everything. So, you know, I thought Trevor yeah. was this cool person and Trevor probably had no idea idea that i even existed you know because i was just the annoying little freshman but but uh we're, we're it's it's great to uh catch up now with trevor and so trevor thank you so much for uh coming on the show tonight man no thanks for having me yeah for sure you know before i really started to get to know cole i heard your name mentioned while listening to the working class bow hunter podcast and uh those guys had some uh pretty uh positive things to say about you and i thought that was pretty cool i was like hey i know, I know who that guy is i don't know him but i know yeah. who he is <laughs> all, those, all those guys working class kurt and everybody they're like a second family to me they've they've kind of always been rooting in my corner and my daughter's corner since she started hunting so it's, kinda, it's nice to have guys like that around yeah, for sure, for sure. Yeah. Really down to earth guys who uh they're a lot of fun to listen to and uh man, they they've been uh, knocking some nice bucks down this season already I've been seeing so. And uh of course uh we got to talk about uh the latest nice buck knocked down by team working class and that comes from a uh uh close tie here to the first gen hunter family and that is Mr. Cole right. Young. And uh, just over the weekend, Cole, uh, he was uh, sharing with Brandon and me, and I'm sure with Trevor as well, um, yeah. some some trail cam pictures leading up to the last mm -hmm. few weekends of just an absolute magnum of a buck. I mean, a giant. Yeah. And uh, um, like Cole usually does, right, Trevor? He uh, makes good on his promises, right? <laughs> Yes, he does. <laughs> yep. <laughs> you know, it's a really a good thing that Cole isn't some like some kind of psychotic serial killer. Because if I ever ended up on his hit list, I mean, I, I'd be as good as dead. Because that guy, that guy, will, <laughs> tracks things down and he puts them on the ground. I mean, it is it is something. And uh, um, you know, just 
Trevor and I were talking before the show. Uh, Cole shared with us his latest. Now, this is a, just a green score, so correct me if I'm wrong here, Trevor. But I think he's got another 60 days before he can get his uh, Boone and Crockett official, right? Yep, yep. That's correct. So he's got those those 60 days of drying to wait. But uh, as he uh, let Trevor and me know today, that buck is scoring in right now at 193 and four-eighths inches. Just an absolute buck of a lifetime. And um, yeah. the character on it, too. You know, this isn't just like uh, some, you know, typical mainframe. It's got like basically an extra main beam <laughs> hanging off as a, kind of a flyer or, or drop tine. 11-inch flyer, yeah. I think it was, off the oh, left of me, too. <laughs> and, and, I mean, then he's got, there's, like, splits at the tips of, like, what is it, like, the G3's got, like, a little uh, little extra kicker right off the top of it. And, yeah. I mean, just a gnarly old buck. I mean, just so cool. And, um, uh, you know, probably the most impressive thing about this is this was not on the family farm. This was a place where um, Cole uh, kind of just scouted out before he even knew this buck was on the farm. And uh, mm-hmm. he's like, man, that looks like a good place to hunt. He, uh, I think he said he did some shed hunting there, and then he, he uh, got permission to uh, go down and bow hunt, and he um, made it happen. An out-of-town out of, an out of town, uh, trip, and, uh, yeah, just kind of uh, uh, tracked this yeah, thing boy. down. Yeah, I mean, yeah it, was, <laughs> it was kind of a uh, DeQuisto-esque type thing you know where he like sees this giant and he's like yeah that's mine (laughs) and he he went and got it so you know big big congratulations to him we're spending some time talking about it because a buck like that definitely deserves to be talked about and we're actually going to bring uh Mm -hmm. bring cole on the show here later this week and uh the whole story so but bow season is going to be slowing down here soon and um, that takes us to a season that more hunters uh, love than probably any other hunting season, and that is gun deer season. And uh, in some places, it's already going on. Uh, Missouri, I believe they started this weekend. Uh, it's going on in Brandon's home state, Delaware. Yep, um, yep that's right. Minnesota's already had theirs. In fact, our uh, buddy Mark Norquist from Modern Carnivore hit a nice, uh, I believe it was a 10-point a couple weekends ago. And um, uh, Wisconsin's coming up soon. Uh, But most importantly here, our man of the hour, Illinois gun season, kicks off this weekend. Mm. And Trevor is a guy, he's a big-time bow hunter, but he also, he loves guns. And uh, he loves getting some gun hunting in. And so he is our, uh, in, in, in my opinion, our, a true expert on this, uh, this uh, area of deer hunting. And, you know, I think a lot of times people make the mistake of thinking, oh, you know, gun season, that's going to be easy. I'm just going to get myself into a good spot. And, but there's a lot more to it. And especially if you want to kill, you know, some of those older age class bucks, and uh, Trevor Trevor uh, knows a lot about how to get that done. So we brought Trevor on tonight. Trevor, thank you again for being willing to sacrifice a uh, Sunday evening and come and help us and the listeners at First Gen Hunter out. No problem. 
Yeah, yeah, we really appreciate it. Well, Trevor, let's just kind of start off here by talking about your own background in hunting. Uh, did you grow up hunting, or was it something that you kind of uh, toyed around with a little bit and then got into more later, or have you always been like chomping at the bit to hunt every second of the hunting season pretty much your whole life? Well, pretty much been chomping at the bit since I was a baby, I think. I get there's a <laughs> picture floating around somewhere of was a I was still in a car seat and there's a picture of my dad holding a buck he'd shot with his bow in eighty seven, eighty eight and Wow. There's probably a there's a picture of me every year after that with a deer mm-hmm. he killed mm-hmm. or I killed from then on. So That's awesome. Yeah, pretty much bred into me. <laughs> That's awesome. That's awesome. That's kind of, that's kind of a Brandon story too, you know, just always uh, being Mm -hmm. around it. And I think it's so important for uh, guys like me to interact with you guys, uh, just to get a full understanding of the, the deep roots of tradition and, and, um, uh, really just a lifetime of experience as well. Uh, there's just so many things that you can't, learn and just listening to podcasts or reading articles uh-huh. or or even reading books or watching youtube how-to videos sometimes you just mm-hmm. need to sit down and uh hear from a guy who's who's lived it their whole life and so we're really happy to to have you on the show so what kind of uh hunting though did you uh do once you started to uh get into that scene well i i think i was like you guys said on um, i don't even remember what podcast but I started out with uh, sparrows in the backyard or blackbirds or whatever I could shoot with a BB gun or a four <laughs> <Yeah. hand. laughs> And uh, from there, when I was, my grandparents always had uh, coyote hounds. And from then, it was every weekend after deer season, it was, we were running coyote hounds and killing coyotes all winter long and pheasants and squirrels and whatever we could we could hunt when we were kids i mean i kind of i joke now that i would never do it with my kid but i mean i would go to my my brother and i both would go to my grandparents we were probably i was probably seven or eight and i just i was eight because i just got my hunting license and 20 gauge i get my 20 gauge and my brother get my his 12 gauge and no supervision just go out and shoot some rabbits, shoot some pheasants, just leave. And I, was, I always awesome. look back, like, I don't, I mean, I would never do that with my kids now, <laughs> just thinking the way times are and everything else, but it made me who I am today, I guess. But Yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Sometimes you think about the things that, <laughs> that we were allowed to do and then, and then, uh, you think about our, our own kids and it's like, man, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yep. There's but, a lot of silly stuff that we learned to do and not to do when we <laughs> get just shoved out and go have fun. Yep, that is for sure. Well, as I mentioned before, you know, and obviously we're, we're hearing that now, just hearing about kind of you're even calling out the actual uh, gauges or calibers, even uh, I guess you could say size of uh, gun you were, you were running around with as a kid. And I imagine a lot of that has to do with the fact, and, and I've gleaned this fact from uh, following you on social media, that is you're kind of a gun guy, right? Yep. Yes. Uh, I grew up, uh, well, obviously shooting shotguns and shooting birds and pheasants and quail and 
wish we still had some around, but yeah. a little bit of everything. And then, uh, like I'd stated previously, uh, my grandparents always had coyote hounds and we always, well, you can shoot the coyotes and we always mm-hmm. had rifles. So sure. ever since I was old enough to hang out with the guys, we reload our own rifle ammo. So we kind of go from scratch, um, go from powder, brass, bullets, primers, and kind of homebrew whatever shoots best through every gun, you know, take yeah. two, three hours and load up 10 different powders, grains, and bullet weights, and just shoot and see what shoots best and just enjoy shooting a gun. That's awesome. Try to get get the best out of the best. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Do you have like a favorite uh, you know, like kind of your niche collection that you go for now. Are you a handgun guy? Are you an AR guy? Classic I'm, weapons. I'm a a Ruger M77. That is my mm. go-to. Huh. I, I, my actually my grandfather passed away two years ago, and oh. I bought a M77 .25-06 from him when I was 13 years old, and it's had over 5,000 rounds shot through it, and I actually found at a gun show the same bullets he reloaded in it because I ran out. And uh, at a gun show last year, I found more of them, and I bought those and was actually able to shoot it again last winter, and it still shoots good. And I've got a couple others since then of the N77. My brother ended up, he's got one of my grandpa's old N77s. We kind of, mm-hmm. I like I like Remington's and Kimbers and Brownings. Actually, I really like Kimbers. I don't have one, but I'd like, I want one, but, uh, yeah. that there's something about it just cause probably cause my grandfather had one or had several of them and it's just, sure. he always had good luck with it and it's just kind of never failed me. So I don't like yeah. changing. <laughs> yeah, no, that's, that's awesome, man. Yeah. Ruger. Now I, I can't remember the, how this works, but I think it's like half their line or something like that of Ruger is made in New Hampshire. And then it, isn't the other half like made in Arizona or something like that? You, I do know the New Hampshire part. I don't know about anything else. <laughs> okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the, the reason I know that is my in-laws are from New Hampshire and there's actually SIG is also made in New Hampshire too. And so uh, it's yeah. kind of, kind of cool how, how the, that's a, a local thing up there, but yeah, that's really cool. That, it's it's fun going to gun shows. It's fun talking to gun guys. You guys know way more about guns than I will ever even be able to scratch a <laughs> dent in the surface of. I've tried in the past, and it's like, man, there's just too much here to learn. I got I'm playing catch up on uh, deer hunting and pheasant hunting and everything else. So I got mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> so that's that's awesome. That's really cool. I think that's why. Um, a lot of guys get drawn into hunting though. So I think it's worth bringing that up. You know, a lot of guys there, they enjoy guns and uh, maybe they don't even live in a rural area, uh, but they can go to a local gun club or even an indoor shooting range or whatever. And they really kind of develop that fascination and love for um, uh, guns. And then uh, in that sense, it's kind of almost this natural progression to, yeah, I love shooting targets and maybe even going to shooting uh, competitively or something like that. And like you mentioned, loading their own ammunition. But eventually, I think people kind of get the uh, itch to try that gun out in the field and do a little hunting. And um, 
that I think brings a lot of people into the fold, so to speak, as as hunters. And yeah. uh, I think when you look at probably the other group of of gun hunters, it's people who were like me up until this, really this year. And again, you know, we've talked about this in previous episodes. I did go out with a bow uh, a couple times last year, but that was just to try and back clean up on a deer that I hit during uh, muzzleloader season. So mm-hmm. really up until this year, I've been pretty well strictly just a firearm hunter. And um, there's multiple reasons for why I think that's the path that most new hunters take. Uh, but at the end of the day, far more people hunt deer with firearms, I think, than they do with archery equipment. And uh, so I think this this uh, episode is, is really important uh, for, for those reasons. And I think it probably uh, serves as a, a uh, real uh, learning opportunity for a lot of new hunters. So, um, let's, uh, let's dive right into that and let's kind of tell about this through the lens of, um, what, you know, I'm a little familiar with the Illinois gun season. I've never hunted the Illinois gun season. Um, but you know, obviously from growing up in Illinois and having a lot of friends who, who did it, you know, I kind of had the idea of, of how that works, but, um, can you just kind of, Illinois kind of has what I would classify as a little bit of a unique gun season, just kind of on its length and when those days that you can hunt with a a gun uh, kind of fall. So can you kind of walk us through both the gun seasons and the muzzleloader season for us? And maybe even uh, you can throw in rules in there like, I don't know, maybe you're allowed to use a muzzleloader during the shotgun seasons or what you're limited to, yep. that kind of thing. Yep. Uh, it's Illinois firearm season. Always is, It's always the weekend before Thanksgiving, that Friday, Saturday, and Sunday is mm-hmm. the first season. And then our second season is the weekend after Thanksgiving. It's the Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And then uh, muzzleloader season is always the weekend after second season um you can use muzzleloader i actually all i use is a muzzleloader all season for every season um you can use that and you can use uh during firearm season you can use pistol as well i've used so you can use that and during actually during second firearm season if if you applied for a muzzleloader tag for muzzleloader season you can use your actual muzzlers tag during second season oh now nice. will they will will they allow you to use like a, a pistol cartridge like a bushmaster 450 or what, how does that work out there that i couldn't tell you i used a, it's got to be a 35 caliber or larger i used a 44 mag um okay okay but as far as you can't use pistol cartridges in a long gun though you cannot use sure. it you has to be a pistol Okay. Like Iowa, Iowa went to you can use straight wall pistol cartridges in a long gun. Now Illinois, you cannot. You have to use a pistol. Okay. Yeah. Now here's then we're you know maybe maybe you don't want to voice your opinion or not, but what is your opinion on that, Trevor? Um, if if you want to plead the fifth, that's okay. I can always uh, go back and edit this and pretend I never asked. But but uh, <laughs> do you kind of wish Illinois would would adopt that straight wall? rifle round 
or are you i i like it just from the fact that i like loading my own ammo so i kind of think it's neat i could i myself could homebrew some different loads and get a gun dialed in the way i like it just for the simple fact of that um i still would if something were to come around like that i still think the three rounds like shotgun of course you have to have a sure. plug in and you can only have yep. three rounds i don't like iowa i think you can shoot the like the 450 bushmaster and 350 legend and the ar platform yeah i think yep. that might be a little excessive but to each their own i mean sure. everybody everybody's opinion matters but like i said i if they kept it to a three round limit i mean it's not gonna in my opinion it's not gonna shoot any different than some of the modern muzzleloaders or even some of the modern savage slugs, you know, they're yeah, pretty, yeah. they're pretty dang accurate. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. for sure. I just, uh, sold my, uh, savage 220, uh, to a, uh, coworker of mine, actually a former classmate of, uh, of yours. So, well, I think he might've been a year ahead of you in school, uh, but a, a shout out to, uh, Mr. Lucas Fritch, uh, he's a, uh, he's a fan of the show and, uh, we have a lot of fun talking hunting, but yeah, he bought that. He loves that thing that those, those, yep. uh, those two 20s, they can be, uh, you know, basically a, a shotgun version of a rifle <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and they're, they're kind of a, kind of a cool gun. So yeah, that's, I think that's important to hear people's opinions on that. And, you know, one, one thing that Illinois has that Iowa doesn't have is uh you're allowed everyone's allowed to use a crossbow during archery season in illinois and and just from talking with people especially younger hunters a lot of people uh take advantage of that and uh which i i think is great and you know more Mm -hmm. power more power to them you know gets more people out in the woods i think i think our society wouldn't feel like it was crumbling so much if uh people were a little bit more connected to to Mm -hmm. the outdoors and things like that but um i would i would venture to guess that it probably has brought up harvest rates at least a little bit during the archery season uh in illinois and so um, you know, whether or not they end up going to those straight walled rounds, you know, maybe it would have to have like a caveat, like Trevor mentioned with a three round limit or something, just so that they don't, they don't kind of get a runaway situation with that or something. Mm-hmm. But, but, the good, um, thing about those, the good thing about those straight wall cartridges too. And it's, I've changed a lot since I have had a, I have a kid too. They don't have the recoil of a 12 gauge or yes. 20 gauge, yeah. even a buzzword, even a, I mean, you can put 90 grains in a muzzler. That's what my daughter used to shoot, and it doesn't kick as bad. But you can, you can play with those guns, and they don't have the recoil that, yeah, obviously that a shotgun has. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely, I uh, 100% agree with that. That's, you know, call me a baby, but that's kind of why I was uh, looking to sell my 220. You know, I every time I'd like go to sight that thing in, and of course, for some reason, you know, I was thinking I needed to shoot those big three-inch shells. I I should mm-hmm. just drop down to the two and three-quarter. That was plenty of powder, but you know, it's like holding a cannon. You know, just and try and get that yeah. scope zeroed yeah. in. <laughs> Well, like, I know, and I know here, you know, we we were using the uh, the H and R's, you know, for for a long time. And those oh, things, oh yeah, you don't have those things uh, square on your shoulder, man. They'll they'll kick back, and that scope will slice your eye. I mean, <laughs> that'll, you know, and, and uh, <laughs> you know, 
Interestingly enough, though, you know, with the H and R's, we we really had some issues with getting pass-throughs. You know, it, that that bullet would would not. I mean, it, it would do a good job, but it would it wouldn't get a pass-through. And you know, I, I huh. now have a Bushmaster 450, and man, it's that gun's just man, it's yeah. been lights out. You know, with that with that gun, so I, we're we're really enjoying that. Like you said, with that without the uh, recoil, you know, you can focus a little bit more on not on not uh, getting a black eye. So <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Well, let's. Uh, so we we know when these seasons are, and we know uh, kind of the general rules on what you're allowed to use. And um, you know, if someone's not quite made their plans yet, take that into consideration. And and by the way, I will say this: I haven't noticed this again. I haven't hunted Illinois firearm season, but um, I know that. Uh, in Iowa, when firearm season is approaching, ammo can get pretty tough to find. And so um, if you are, uh, whether or not you're in Illinois or Minnesota or Michigan or wherever, and you still have some uh, rifle seasons left, uh, maybe you've already noticed that problem. Make sure you, when you see that that ammo available, you, you grab it up so that you can get all your sighting done and have plenty to, to yep. use for hunting and that. But, uh, this year, especially with COVID slowing everything down, I know ammo has been really mm-hmm. tough for people to get their hands on. So, um, yeah. plan Remington, accordingly. I think Remington canceled all their orders. Whatever the stores had is what they had from what I understood when I was trying to wow. get bugs to my daughter's mm-hmm. gun. So I think they're, I don't know why i i think they sold part of their ammunition or something but yeah it's been it's been brutal to find ammunition this fall man mm. yeah that's and that gets i mean it seems simple but that can get pretty stressful you know especially if you're running down to the last few shells if you've had a rough time getting sighted in you know that's yeah that's uh you, you don't want to miss a season because of that well, let's kind of uh, build on this a little bit here, Trevor. And, you know, obviously, whether you're bow hunting or gun hunting, a huge part of being successful is understanding how deer behavior correlates to what nature has in store for us during that season. And so, uh, with this kind of unique breakdown of uh, firearm seasons in, um, in Illinois, I would say that there's probably the the deer are acting quite a bit differently uh, for various reasons. Um, but could you kind of uh, just give us a deer behavior rundown with gun one, gun two, and then of course that muzzleloader season as well? Um, usually, you know, it, every year it seems a little different on our farm. Um, one year it can seem like it's right in the middle of the rut going full tilt during Mm -hmm. first season. Then the next season, the following year, it might seem like it's kind of in the lull again, you know, um, we've had some excellent luck calling just like you would the first week of November, you know, just doing our thing that way. And, but second season it's there again, it's hit or miss. I've had, good years and i've had bad years where it's amazing and then you wouldn't even think it was there was deer there one year it's yeah i usually i usually try to set up like i do with my bow um okay i guess for for the season i i feel 
especially then, even if they if there's a doe coming in or is in estrus at that time, I don't know. I just kind of think where's she going to be, and most of the time, that's where the bucks are going to be. That even if even if they've already bred some does, they're still kind of think they got it on the back of their mind, you know, for the yeah. first season. Definitely. Yep. That's a huge tip. Yeah, I was. Uh... I was actually just listening to another podcast tonight on my way back from uh, hunting, and uh, the guy really hammered that same point away, not about gun season necessarily, although it definitely applies. Um, just getting near those doe bedding areas, downwind of those doe bedding areas, and, mm-hmm. and man, I've that's a... That's a phenomenal tip. That's something I never understood, you know, for my first several years of hunting. And uh, in a state like Illinois, that where you can actually get the gun out during the this rut time frame, that's a huge tip. Yep, and our, the muzzleloader season, I've actually, I feel that I've had more, I'm, I'm assuming it's, I don't know, everybody's second rut or, whatever i've actually had a lot of success and a lot of activity whether i i guess i consider success seeing good animals and being out there with good animals but Mm -hmm. um i've had a lot of encounters with great deer that are chasing just like you want to see you know and that's that second week in december time frame and it's it's pretty impressive what on our, where I hunt, especially, it seems like there's always that second week in December during the muzzleloader season. I have mm-hmm. my cameras are blowing up, and what I'm seeing in the woods is usually on fire. <laughs> mm. That's that's interesting. That's awesome. Yeah. So, are you doing things like rattling and and hitting the grunt tube a little bit at that time too? Then, no muzzleloader season. I usually don't. Um, first gun season, I do for sure. Especially my daughter, especially since she started hunting, uh, sometimes you get a little bored in the stand, so you gotta, <laughs> mm-hmm, you yeah. gotta make her happy. She wants to hear something anyway, so we kind of do that. But I never have. Usually, I should probably during muzzleloader season, just because of the activity I've seen. Sure. But usually, I just kind of hang tight and watch the watch the magic and hope for the best. Yeah. <laughs> so. mm-hmm. That's yeah, that's really interesting, you know, and that actually does kind of correlate then to Iowa because uh, I think Iowa's first gun season rolls around on uh, uh, let's see here, it's the first weekend of December, so yeah, same, kind of same time frame there of that as that uh, muzzleloader season for for Illinois. So keep your eyes open for some of that second rut, and I've heard that term before too, and and. Um, definitely seems to be uh some some truth to that and i think scientifically i've heard that explained as it could be some isn't it like some yearling fawns that um, may be coming into estrus for the first time and so they're just kind of a little bit off cycle from you know the mature does on the farm so it's uh you know, like you said, I think I think it was a great way to say it. It's always on the back of the mind of those bucks as long as their as long as their testosterone levels are still there, which they are until they yep, start dropping I've, antlers. I've uh like I said, I'm I'm I hunt any time I can, so it doesn't matter if it's a bow or gun and I've seen them I actually three years ago I had a 
really nice buck mounted doe in front of me. It was January 13th, whatever the last day wow. of the most season is. It, <laughs> and that was, it was probably some of the best action I'd seen, and it was all chasing from two pretty nice bucks. Wow. Wow. Yeah. Late January. That's that's a good that's a good tip right there to just keep your head in the game. You know, sometimes we can get kind of depressed as we watch. You know, there's that huge. It's kind of like going on vacation. You know, the best part of vacation is getting ready to leave for vacation, and uh, you know that's kind of how the rut is. You know, we we wait so long for it to get here, and then you know as the days kind of roll by and things come up and. And we don't get out as much as we want. We're just like watching this time slip away. We get, we can kind of get off of our game. But yeah, stories like that remind us that anything can change in a minute. And man, what a what a time if you have a, a firearm in your hands where you could really uh, capitalize on that. So, well, yeah, yeah and, and and the cool thing is too, a lot of the times you know those those more mature bucks will will really be roaming. You know, later on, you know, you get those early bucks with a lot of that early chasing and 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 breeding and all that and then sometimes those those more mature bucks will will still be doing it you know a month or two later you know and those other ones come into heat so i mean that can be i know you know a lot of guys you know, a lot of the a lot of the big timers man that's december and january sometimes their favorite time to get out and get one of those brutes that you know is nocturnal and man kind of comes gonna kind of comes into things late looking for those hot does yeah yeah definitely yep now trevor here's a here's a Here's a uh, late season deer question for you. Have you ever shot a buck that then shed his antlers after you shot him in the late season? <laughs> no, I, no, I have not. Last <laughs> last January, actually it was January, it was New Year's Day. I was joking. I had a a really nice eight-pointer on camera and his, I, his nose was busted or something. It was just kind of, you could his nose, his facial features were very distinct. And I kind of was joking around with uh, my niece's husband. I told him I was going to kill that deer at whatever time, you know, just being a smart aleck. And, yeah. And, and at that time, a deer come out of the timber, and as sure as the day is long, it was him at 15 yards with no antlers. Man. I had to text him and tell him I if he'd have had his antlers, he was got, he was done for. But yeah. <laughs> oh man. You know, I have a I have a friend who uh, <laughs> he jokes. He's like, just to show you what kind of an optimist I was. He's like, I always had the dream of uh, shooting a shed buck with it because I think you can technically shoot a shed buck on an antlerless tag in a lot of places. And uh, yeah. And uh, he's like, to shoot a shed buck fill an antlerless tag and then go find the sheds afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. Get yeah, that bu- you go. get that bonus buck in there, but no, yes. that's that's uh that's good. You know, I've heard of that happening to guys. I'd be so stressed out if that happened trying to find those sheds. Oh and, my goodness. Uh, yeah. I, I swear it's a buck. I swear. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that'd be something that'd be something your friends would get on you for for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, you uh, you started to mention this a little bit, and I think this is a really important question, especially for guys like me who who uh, well, I should say like guys like all three of us here who also like to take part in the archery season. Um, when it rolls around to gun season, how much of that are you keeping the same? You know, are you hunting a lot of the same stands? Are you moving stands a little bit? Do you have some stands that you just kind of prep for gun 
only. How do you kind of handle that? Hey everybody, I hope you're really enjoying this episode. I think this is something that I searched for when I was a brand new hunter. You know, there weren't a lot of guys talking about how to how to uh, effectively hunt deer with a gun. You know, we hear so much about bow hunting, but gun hunting is a huge part of, of uh, chasing down whitetails, and it's steeped in tradition. It's some people's most favorite time of year, and so I hope mm-hmm. you're uh, really enjoying that. But could also be a source of heartache if you are hunting with a muzzleloader and uh, your favorite host Mr. Uh, Brandon Martin the uh, maestro of buck madness himself (laughs) is here to uh, give us a good solid veteran tip on uh, using your muzzleloader appropriately yeah, you know, and, and this is this is one of those where you know we all heard uh, of the importance of you know cleaning your weapon, you know, especially when you're talking about a muzzleloader and, and the importance of making sure that that weapon is clean because you know any one of any of us who shoots a muzzleloader, you know, understands that that gun gets dirty very quickly. Um, however, you know, one thing you have to be careful of, you know, if you're gonna let's say you're going out to to the the woods, you know, hey, you're gonna take some you know few last minute shots, you know, hey, you just want to make sure everything's still dialed in. Um, maybe even ahead of the evening hunt or something like that. You know, good to plan ahead because if you if you clean the the gun um, and then you know only allow to to breathe the air you know air dry for a short time, there can still be moisture in that barrel. Um, which then when you go to to load the the pellets, the powder, whatnot, um, it can sometimes cause a misfire when you then go to fire. And, and ultimately, we are all about given everyone the best chance of success when the moment of truth arises, you know, um, for those of you, know, for the average hunter, you know, you're, you're, you're going to get, you know, if you put in the time, you're going to get some opportunities. Um, are you going to get, you know, a ton of opportunities? Probably not. You know, if you're, if you're an average hunter and, and you're hunting an average piece of property, you may only get, you know, one or two opportunities, a, a season, or, or maybe one or two opportunities every now and then to, to shoot a, a nice buck. Um, so ultimately, whatever you can do to be ready in that moment of truth. And, you know, with that, you know, clean the gun, let it dry. You know, Kent, you know, we were talking about this, you know, before, you know, mentioned a great thing as well. You, you know, maybe just firing a cap, you know, blank cap down the, uh, the you know, the barrel um, to create some heat and, and whatnot. So anything you can do to just kind of make sure that that gun is in the best condition to fire when it ultimately, that moment of truth ultimately comes is going to be ideal for you. So, you know, certainly get it cleaned up. Give it some time to air out, um, and make sure that you're, you know, that's going to give you the best opportunity to, to, you know, cause, you know, because I will say, you know, just in tandem with that, I had a situation even this year where I did exactly that, and I went to fire, and unfortunately, it misfired. Um, it, uh, fortunately, I was able to get a second shot off, but that shot then actually was the delayed shot. I shot the cap went off, and about a half second later, the gun went off, and uh, praise the Lord, you know, I still was able to get the deer. I actually ended up dropping the deer, but. You know that that could that could be a recipe for total disaster. You know, had had that been a, a buck, and had I pulled up on it and then missed the deer. I mean, you never know. And and you know, something that you could go from boy an amazing memory to just kind of a bad story. So <laughs> we we want to yep. we want to promote amazing memories and, and not right. bad stories. <laughs> that's right. That's right. Yeah, excellent tip there. You never want the reason that things didn't work out to be because of your equipment. You know, that's. Mm-hmm. 
That's yeah. uh, I once heard uh, one of the biggest uh, names in whitetail hunting. I was listening to his podcast uh, just recently, and uh, he made a great statement. He said, in hunting, there are so many variables, so many things yeah. out of our control that yep. we have to strive to be perfect when it comes to the things that we can control. Now, yes. you know, spoiler alert, we'll never be perfect with that, but uh, making sure our gear is squared away is a big way to improve that likelihood of not being let down uh, by something that we could have actually prevented. So thank you, Brandon, for that tip. Let's go ahead, dive into part two here with Mr. Trevor Schmidt on hunting the gun season for whitetails. I actually, until my daughter started hunting three years ago, I would, depending on, of course, wind direction and everything else, mm-hmm. I would, I just hunt my regular, my bow stands. I, I just went there and, of course, kind of gotten, not, oh, well, maybe I am getting old, but we got a couple box blinds and heaters, so now that my, top, oh, my nice. daughter is here, it's, it's a lot nicer to climb up there and she likes she sit on the ground with me every once in a while I mean, she's not real keen on getting up into a tree stand yet so right. but that box blind is the ticket for her so that's kind of where we spend our our gun season anymore i'm i'm not really the trigger man anymore it's her so i'm just <laughs> out there for backup <laughs> sure yeah that's good that's awesome so here's here's something i always wonder about with those because i look at those and um, I was like, man, that would be really nice. And then a lot of times what happens is I look at the price tag <laughs> or I look at how uh, guys get these things set up in such a creative way. And it's like, man, I don't know if I have the uh, know-how how to do that. Do you have, do you have like a, uh, kind of a trick for getting your elevated, I assume they're elevated, uh, yeah. box blinds. Do you use like telephone poles? Are you buying like a redneck blind or? What, what's uh, your what's your way of handling that? The one that we have that my daughter hunts out of is we kind of built it when I was in high school. Oh, cool! It's kind of it's kind of uh, my stepdad and one of his friends. We kind of all kind of hunted out of it for years, but it's kind of became my, between my brother and I and my niece and my daughter. It's kind of our blind, but it's all metal frame. We got a good deal on some uh, tubing and just welded a big frame together and it's kind of it needs I'm, my plan is to rebuild it this spring after season but it's sure it's starting to get dilapidated after all these years but we we have luckily thankfully i mean i'm fortunate i have access to some equipment that we just use forks on a skid loader and just set them up that way and then mm-hmm. my brother he he just built a new one two years ago and that's what we did with it too we put uh we drilled four by sixes into the ground and tamp them down and then set the blind on top of the four by six so that's awesome like i said that's not everybody has the access to that stuff so i'm thankful that i have access to some of that equipment that i can use for that but yeah that's 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 good tips to hear that because i think you know 
like you're saying, it's it's better for taking your daughter out. It's for yeah. somebody who's maybe not sure if they're going to, you know, Brandon's been taking a couple different guys out that he's kind of mentoring this year uh, mm-hmm. with hunting. And, you know, you're taking people out like that. They don't necessarily want to sit out there and freeze, you know. They're not, they're yeah. not, they're not uh, as enthusiastic about it as us three are yet, <laughs> you know, where we, yeah, it doesn't, that kind of thing doesn't really bug us. But, mm-hmm. it, yeah, having, being able to get some of that stuff set up, I think is just, in fact, that's how I killed my first year. You know, someone took me under their wing and, and, mm-hmm. uh, got me in an elevated blind and we had a i think a little heater going in there and stuff and i still yeah. still was mo- more dead than alive i think from freezing to death but but uh <laughs> it you know that really made a difference for me so yeah it's yeah. nice to be able to come up with some of those plans and, and get that done for yourself so well something else that we need to address here with uh how archery translates over to um gun season are you prioritizing like the same feeding areas? I mean, obviously at this point in the season, um, ag is really starting to get the attention of the, the deer. You know, they've kind of gone through that dietary transition of switching over from the green leafy stuff to now much more of the, the soybeans and, and corn. Um, obviously they'll still hit food plots too, if you, uh, have those available for them, but, Mm-hmm. What kind? What What are you really prioritizing as far as food goes at this point in the season? Um, right now my food plots in the last week have been on fire. Unfortunately, works in the way, and I can't capitalize on it with my bow. But um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I actually i have I have a redneck soft sided blind um, for my daughter. Also, we're gonna that's over a cut bean field that has some standing beans that they missed along the edge. Oh, nice. And it's in a, it's in a pretty good spot, um, where I can kind of get her in there easy and not a far walk. She's, I, I always tell her she's the slowest 13 year old alive, but <laughs> it's a pretty, it's a, it's a pretty easy walk for her. And then, like I said, that's, I've seen some of my bigger deer I've seen in that field. So mm. that one's, I'm hoping she misses and I can have the follow-up shot. But yeah, there, there you go. I have a um, where the big box blind is. It's over a CRP field that's um, it's in between two cornfields, so it's pretty. It's a good travel corridor between corn. There's feeding on each side, and I've got there's two big draws that come down that are usually full of deer bedded or whatever. So it's sure. kind of those are my gun season we don't stray too far from those couple different spots unless i can if it's not too bad weather wise i and the last three years since she started hunting i've kind of got a i've been catering to her more than i have been catering to myself so yeah i kind of yeah. stick to stick to what i know and where i can take her to get her on deer but and otherwise if if i was by myself without her hunting it would be i would be playing the wind just like i would bow um, whether it was on food or on in the timber where I feel like a good spot or, you, I don't know. I always go with my gut, I guess. If it sure. feels like it's going to be the night to be in this stand, that's where I'm going to go with the wind or whatever. So, sure. So, so when you do go, takes a lot of everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that's, that's a good answer. Um, when you go in the timber, are you kind of hitting those staging areas near, 
uh, food sources. Is that yep. is that what you're after? Okay. Yep. Can, can you kind of describe to us what that what like the premier staging area is to you? Something that gives you that good gut feeling of yeah, that'd be a good spot to set up. Well, one of my favorite spots is it's a creek bottom with a it's got a pretty good amount of CRP, and then it's got a, a field on the other side of that and. They seem to bed in two draws that are very actually north of where I usually sit, and it seems like they always slowly come out of those draws and go towards that food, and it's a really good natural pinch point right there in the bottom, and they they hang out there. Usually, usually you can catch them on their feet while it's daylight, while before they go to the the ag field. That's kind of my my go-to, and it's it's pretty open. It's got like I say, it's a creek bottom, so it's been flooded, so it's kind of an open. It's a lot of soft maples and stuff like sure. that on the bottom, so they kind of come out of the draws. Are actually mostly oak trees. They come out of those draws, and then they come down into that open maple timber, and before they head out, and it seems like it's pretty pretty good right there at all times when it's especially when it gets a little colder like it has been last day or two mm-hmm. sure that's that's a good tip yeah a lot of times we throw these terms around you know like staging areas and and uh bedding areas and things like that and it's good sometimes to just kind of explain what we're we're talking about so that's that's a really good description there so um you you mentioned kind of that that uh soft-sided uh redneck blind um do you do some do you do quite a bit of ground blind hunting during gun season i try actually that's on a trailer so i just oh okay a couple foot off the ground i just tow it wherever i middle of the field that's awesome and and yeah i got it mounted on there it works pretty good i i will sit on the ground before i'll sit on the ground blind i'm i'm the i despise ground blinds I just, there's so many blind spots i just I, they're, yeah. they do their yeah. job i'm just i get so frustrated because i can't see yeah. <laughs> other than directly yeah. in front of me usually right no yeah. i i hear you for sure yeah that was one of my first uh you know you think think back to the stuff you spent money on for hunting and uh <laughs> yeah. You know, that was mm-hmm. one of the things was a failed experiment for me. And, yeah. you know, you're supposed to put, like, the blaze orange on there during gun season. That's a good safety thing that we should mention, right? It's, it's a law in most places that when you're yeah. hunting out of a gun blind, you need to have, I, I can't remember the amount of, of square inches of blaze orange on it. But, you know, I've, I've had that thought during gun season. It's like, man, if somebody didn't really see this thing right uh, they could shoot right into my blind. So that's another reason yeah. why I, I, I get a little shy with gun or with ground blinds during gun season, mm-hmm. um, just yeah. from a, a safety Redneck, standpoint. I can, we used it for turkey season this spring, and I do like it because I can unzip a little quarter on, on all four corners, and I can kind of still see, but it's not, and it's not just dead black in there. Like right, yeah. My, yeah. my ground blinds, when I hunt out of them, I, I just feel like I'm, trap i can't see anything if something happens to come from behind or i just yeah. i just i'm not a fan of it 
No, yeah, I, I hear you. It's good to hear somebody else does a little ground hunting too. I, <laughs> I, it's, you know, and usually because of my time constraints, I end up doing a lot of ground hunting too. So that's that's good. It's good, and you can kill a lot of deer from the ground too. Oh yeah. So um, it, when you do end up, and I'm from the sounds of it, it's kind of a rare occasion, but when you do end up in a tree. I assume you're probably using a ladder stand uh, since uh, this is a farm you hunt pretty regularly and have been hunting for a while. Are you prepping some of these just for gun season alone, like clear back and, you know, I don't know, maybe shed season or something like that? Are you setting up a stand and knowing that, yeah, this isn't really going to be a good bow stand? a good bow stand, but, you know, speaking of our buddy Cole Young, who loves observation stands, maybe you could use it for that, but are you, um, are you setting any stands up just for, like, you're saving them just for gun season? Um, I, I have two of them that they just kind of stay there. Um, actually, I killed one of my biggest deer out of it with a bow, but it is more for my gun season. I, it's a, tripod stand and i love the stand but you stick out like a sore thumb and there's sure, yeah. a ton of deer in the area but it's i can see three or four hundred yards and i can see in the brush i can see i can see deer from almost every direction and it's it butts up to a road kind of well not really a road but it does butt up to a uh a little right away and nothing hardly anything comes from behind me so i feel I like it better for my gun because I can see. So, and then I have one of those for each wind on that same field, just because over the years of knowing what happens there, what goes on there, I can, I can kind of see from both directions, different winds and stuff. Sure. So, yeah, that's a good point. I've, I don't know that I've ever talked with somebody who, who utilizes those tripods, but I've been doing a lot of one thinking on that. I've, I've actually seen, um, I think it was, I want to say it was Dan Infault slapped one down on the, in the middle of a CRP stretch where he kind of identified a travel area or whatever and had some success out of it. I think they're kind of underutilized, um, bits of equipment. So how do you, how do you deal with that sticking out there like a sore thumb? Do you, have you noticed that that spooks a lot of deer or do they just kind of leave you alone? I've actually, I seen one of the biggest deer I've ever seen in my life from that stand at 30 yards and couldn't get a shot. Um, Oh man. I've had had so many deer in there and I, I make fun of, I make fun of the stand because it is, it's 12 foot. It sticks out. My dad, my dad bought it for me when I was at my daughter's age, 13, 14 years old. Mm. We had a mm-hmm. farm we were hunting that didn't have a whole lot of trees to put a stand in, but we sure. had a, there was a bunch of like honeysuckle that we could, that was tall enough for some cover and we just kind of stuck them in there and they, they worked great. And since then we've kind of moved them around and so huh. I can say this, the two I've shot, I've shot several deer out of it where it's sitting, but and I, honestly, the two deer I shot, I shot one at 30 yards with my bow, and then I shot a really nice eight-pointer, like a mid-140s eight-pointer two years or three years ago with my muzzleloader out of it at 38 nice. yards. So it's, huh. so it's kind of one of those spots I can see forever, but I never get a shot at them anything very far. <laughs> yeah, like. right. 
That, that's really cool. I mean, I might have to look into that here in the future. You know, it's I'm always trying to think what's a good next thing to add to the property to to make yep. hunting yep. a little bit better. So. It's been there for several years now. Now there's finally a tree where it's at that's big enough for a stand. I just, it's there. It's, it's kind of, they're kind of a pain in the butt to move, I guess. I'm sure you could, there's a way, well, there's a will, there's a way. I'm sure the newer ones are probably a little more user friendly than what this is, but it's, sure. uh, like I say, it's kind of, it's there for good. <laughs> right once yeah. it's there it's yeah. there no, yeah. I'm, I'm thinking of a spot on uh, uh one of the properties that uh i hunt actually that's where uh, uh my brother jake shot that nice uh buck this weekend um kind of kind of in that little area where he was at would be a perfect spot for one of those tripods and they're fairly uh you know compared to the price of those elevated blinds they're significantly cheaper than than uh spending money on one of those so that's a, <laughs> yes they are that's a, that's a, I'm, a, I'm getting kind of excited about this. We got my wheels turning here. I gotta, I gotta refocus yeah. here on what, what the main thing we're talking about, but that's just extra for everybody. Go get a tripod for yourself. Well, let's um transition now to really taking these things that we've, you know, been asking you about taking in the consideration, uh, kind of your hunting approach, what you like to put on the landscape, um, when you like to hunt, the types of cover you like to hunt, all of that. And let's uh, kind of put it into a scenario here. So I'm going to describe for you kind of your typical Midwestern uh, farm setup here. You know, not totally flat, uh, but uh, so there's there's some, you know, terrain variance here. But, but um, just kind of the standard uh, type of cover, food, that kind of thing. But let's say that you were um, you were working for uh, maybe you had your own company where you were setting people's uh, uh, hunting properties up for them, and uh, you were being paid to uh, get these three stands. And mm-hmm. um, uh, I was originally going to ask you about a blind. But maybe I'm going to change that to a tripod now for selfish reasons. There you go. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But, but uh, you got you got th- this this landowner comes to you and you're like, all right, Trevor, I need you to get me set up for uh, gun season here. All we do is hunt gun season. We don't hunt bow season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I have three ladder stands, and I have one tripod. And uh, this property, you know it well. It's a 200-acre farm. It's got um, uh, a good bedding area that's surrounding a pond. So you got a little bit of a water source there. Then, and and we'll say that bedding area is kind of on one end of the property here. And then kind of maybe not directly connected, but close enough to where, you know, it could direct traffic to the bedding a little bit. Um, you have a long uh, CRP strip, you know, travel it corridor area that runs along a creek. So maybe this creek is draining out of that pond or something like that. And um, it's it's running through the bottom of this, this draw. Um, and that creek, we'll say it's running like east-west and it's separating an ag field to the north and an ag field to the south. So we'll say maybe we have corn to the north, 
soybeans yeah. to the south. Where, oh, then at the opposite end of the CRP strip from the bedding, so clear on the other end of the farm here, is, you know, a, a, a noteworthy uh, size stand of timber. So you got pond with bedding area around it, basically connected uh, by this CRP strip that's running through this draw mm-hmm. along a creek with a uh, stand of timber on the other side, and you got uh, corn to the north, beans to the south. How are you going to distribute your tree stands? And and we can assume, you know, there's trees mixed in through this draw, too, you know, along this creek yeah. and everything like we you typically see around here. And maybe even a few trees around that bedding area, too. Um, yep. Where are you going to put your tree stands, and where are you setting your your tripod well the long strip of crp i would probably put the the tripod just i mean it is gun season so you can reach out and touch something if you need to i would probably put it on one end of it whichever went whichever was the more favorable wind and uh and easily easily access sure to get there and then uh then you said there was a timber on one end of that sizable mm-hmm. timber, I would definitely have a stand in there just for the fact that it is, I mean, you gotta have somewhere to put, put a body if the wind's right. And you feel that's the spot to go to. You gotta be able to get there. So you gotta have a stand there. And then the pond was surrounded by bedding. You said, yep. Yep. Some thick bedding cover there. And then on the one side of that was the CRP. Yep. Or. Yep. So it kind of runs that, down to the CRP. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then where was the ag in relation to the pond? So the ag would be on both to the north. You'd have corn north of the pond, and you'd have beans south of the pond. I would, and I would put. I'd have to have a stand somewhere in between there and that ag on both sides. I mean, depending, I wouldn't want to get too close to the bedding, but I would have to have something mm-hmm. there just to just to intercept because you don't know where they're going to yeah. go. Sure. Depending on wind, you could hunt one for what you know, north wind, one for south wind, or northwest, or whatever. Sure. But it would definitely have to intercept them coming from that bedding around the pond to the ag. Yeah, that's 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 a good that's good uh, advice there. So, would you? Yeah. You kind of mentioned this a little bit. Would you really try to lay off of of like with your tripod? Would you try and set back from that travel area a little bit and take advantage of of um, I would. your your range on your firearm? I would if if it needs to be done. That's kind of how my like I say, my box blind is and my tripod is right now. It, my daughter, the box blind, my daughter, she crossbow hunts out of it. But we can also shoot. I mean, our guns aren't good to shoot to 250 yards, but we have 250 yards in front of us that we can see deer. And if they're in, yeah. in sure. range, comfortable range for us, we can see. So I like that, especially for gun season, just because you can 
it, I don't know. I I enjoy seeing the deer, so mm-hmm. maybe sometimes it's more frustrating oh, than point. it's worth. But at least at least you're seeing him. And then, like I said, I have to bring it back to my daughter. So if yeah, if she's seeing it, it keeps her occupied. That's where I, especially like I say, now that she's been hunting for three or four years, my my whole hunting season, my shotgun season, usually revolves around trying to at least get her to see deer because she yeah that's my my main my main goal as a dad and hunting now is just i mean she's she's more apt to stay out there if we're seeing deer so if we can hunt a 200 yard stretch of crp where she's going to see deer traveling back and forth and then one's going to come out every two days in range or every day and a half in range i'm fine with that if it keeps her involved Yeah, yeah that's awesome definitely so kind of prioritizing those good vantage points and and uh yeah taking advantage of that distance i think that's i think that's really good advice to me that's just again for my you know this is my sixth deer season i believe um for my limited experience i've i've learned that that's the biggest advantage by far that firearms give you not just the fact you know especially now with like we talked some of these new laws with straight walled rifles and stuff where you can Mm -hmm. you can huck another round in there real quick and get another shot in like you can't do with archery equipment you know that of course those are advantages but but being able to hunt almost like you do in october archery season where you're trying to lay lay really low on that pressure but and using again this idea of almost like an observation stand and you can almost look and see what's out there but know that you're probably not going to get a shot well now you can do that so you aren't messing the deer up and spooking them all out of there and you can see them kind of doing their deer things uh but you Mm -hmm. can also reach out and touch them too with your your uh, your firearm so uh i think i think really trying to to place stands in a way that takes advantage of that reality is probably the the best thing somebody can do. So I think that's, that's great advice you gave there. Well, uh, kind of the last thing, uh, before I ask you if you have any closing tips or anything, uh, the, the last question I really have for you here is, can you take us through, uh, let's just go ahead and say it's gun one, uh, weekend and you're going to hunt a full weekend you got the time off from work and uh, nothing else planned you're just going to go hard for that weekend can you kind of walk us through and we'll say it's you know typical uh week before thanksgiving weather in illinois you know so pretty cool temperatures um uh, maybe a little bit of precipitation here and there that kind of thing mm-hmm. could be a little windy um what what's your regular weekend routine for how you uh, approach that first gun season? Uh, usually um, take a stand, which night before is like you said earlier, it's kind of a firearms, kind of a tradition. So take mm-hmm. a stand. Um, I usually call my dad, call my brother, you know, see where everybody's going kind of anymore with the box blinds and kids. Everybody's kind of got their, Everybody knows where everybody's going, but sometimes if if it's going to be warmer, or I would say mid thirties, there's a chance that one of us might be 
outside of our normal box blind just because sure. it's warm enough to get out in the stand, especially for the kids. They're more comfortable if it, that's not too bad. Yeah. So usually we kind of determine that the night before and then get out and in the morning, bright and early, uh, usually sit – if I'm hunting by myself, <laughs> I usually sit till ten thirty. I'm sitting with my daughter. God only knows when we're going to leave. Usually pretty early. <laughs> but, uh, <Yep. laughs> but we always at these years she'll want to leave early in the morning, but I can get her out there early in the afternoon. So usually we're back in the stand by noon or one o'clock, and then we okay. sit the rest of the So it seems like it's a little easier for her to sit there when she knows it's going to get dark and we got to leave and. It is mm-hmm. when it gets daylight and it feels like <laughs> she sat there in the dark for an hour and a half, two hours. She wants, she thinks she right. needs to go. So. Right. Yeah. But we'll do that. And, and of course, everybody, you got to have a good lunch and everything else during firearm season. Everybody gets together and kind of just shoots the breeze, tell what they've yeah. seen, and just mm-hmm. enjoy it. That's kind of my favorite thing about firearm season is everybody gets together and enjoys yes. just hunting and telling stories and yeah kind of everything you know yep yeah yeah definitely man that's getting me all amped up now for uh gun season i'm hoping to uh uh bring my wife along with me this year and and give her nice. her first uh gun season experience and and uh put that new uh 350 legend to work and yeah and uh hopefully uh, have some fun with that but you're exactly right it's that that camaraderie and tradition that you can mm-hmm. kind of establish with that and and uh just all the additional excitement that goes that goes into it and seeing seeing everybody else be successful especially the kids you know that's uh that's a special yeah. time for them and well i yeah and it's it's cool you know what what you're talking about Trevor is you know you're really taking the time to make sure your daughter enjoys things, you know, and, and, you know, and it's, it's cool to be to a point, you know, in, in hunting when you can, you know, you, you get to that point where men, you know, you're having more fun, you're making more memories, you know, seeing other people have success and, and whether it's your daughter, whether it's someone you're mentoring and, and trying to help them to get into things. I mean, it's really, really is a satisfying place to be, to, to see them enjoy it and get into it. So that's pretty cool that you, you kind of are experiencing that firsthand with your daughter. Yep, and I, I've, I think I've told my wife this before. When I was a kid growing up, I was if I was cold, I just kind of got told to throw on another coat. It was, it was <laughs> we're going hunting. So my daughter, I, I maybe it's because I'm a little softer now, and it's like, well, we got to make her comfortable because I want her to enjoy it and I want her to stick with it. So yep. whatever yes, I can do to make right. her more comfortable, I'm all, all bets are off what i end up doing to make her yeah, yeah. Well, and clearly clearly she's enjoying it i mean the fact that she wants to go out with you that much i mean she obviously enjoys spending time with you and seems to seems that you're uh things are working out with uh with really keeping her interest in it yep she she's her she's she's killed she killed a real nice one her first deer actually there's it was opening morning we were, you were talking about tactics or if you're doing any calling uh, first gun season that was uh, 2018 uh, mm-hmm. opening night. She shot like 140 inch nine pointer. Oh, nice! nice. Um, and he came out dogging the doe about 250 yards out, 
and I actually snort wheezed at him, and he came to 30 yards, and she dropped him right there. That's awesome. Nice. It was, it was pure luck, but somehow she got it done. <laughs> yeah, awesome. hey, it worked. Man. Yeah, yeah, and 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 that moment for you as a dad, man. I mean, <laughs> I mean that's just that's just incredible. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Yeah, that's a special time. Well, Trevor, yes. do you have any uh, final uh, last bits of advice for uh, gun hunters that are getting ready to uh, don the blaze orange and charge into the field edges and and uh, staging areas and swamps and thickets uh, this this coming weekend? Man, my my biggest thing is shoot your gun, know what your gun does. I mean, mm. it's every. I mean, I can pick up a gun and shoot it everybody can pick up a gun and shoot it but just because you shot it a couple times and okay this bullet does good enough um take the time over the summer and find the load that shoots good um yeah i'm my i've shot muzzleloader since i was 15 years old that's all i haven't shot a shotgun since but i always take the time to find the right charge that shoots good into it good through it and bullet combo and like it and actually my daughter my my uh my daughter's shooting my late grandfather's muzzleloader this year and we took her out and shot it this summer so she was good and i'd hate to guess how many rounds and bullet combos my grandfather put through it but (laughs) at a hundred yards she's she's keeping one hole at a hundred yards so yeah it's just you got to make sure just know your gun it's just like anything else you got to know the equipment you're using yeah definitely definitely yeah you don't want to get into that moment of truth and and uh have a surprise with how the gun functions or yeah that your scope got bumped or whatever yep definitely Mm -hmm. take the time um and and even if it's you're like, oh no, I didn't do that this summer. That's all right. You still got some time. Just, uh, and you could even yep. do it do it on the farm that you're going to be hunting, but just be smart about it. You know, go to the opposite yep. end of where the yep. deer are at, and it's just something that's great advice. That's something that's too important to not get right, and uh, you know, getting it right makes all the difference. You know what? What a yeah. <laughs> I think back to episode uh, 25 with um with uh bill jenkin and uh his story about when he was elk hunting in the <laughs> the guy yeah. the guy yeah. who uh dropped his uh his gun off of his horse and it got stepped on by two horses and uh broke <laughs> broke his scope to pieces and he didn't realize it because it was all internal damage and he had yeah. that elk at 50 yards and uh <laughs> It just could not. He he took a shot and it was so far off. He had no idea where the bullet went. Yeah, you don't want you don't yeah. want surprises like that. You want to when you get that chance, you want to capitalize. And as Trevor said, the only way you're going to know that you can confidently do that uh, is by taking the time to uh, check it before you get there. So absolutely. Well, Trevor, Brandon, thank you so much, guys, for hopping on. Hopefully uh, the next time we talk, uh, the three of us will uh, be able to tell some uh, notch tag stories here on uh, some, yes. uh, some 2020 bucks. Man, it, we, mm. we need them, right? This has been a crazy year. Yes, and, indeedy. And, uh, yes. 
Deer hunting has felt like a pr- pretty good band-aid so far. <laughs> yes, I, have. I, keep, I keep getting close. It's just got to happen one of these times. That's right. Yeah, right. That's right. Yep. Yep. Yeah, you know, I, I poked one in the lung, and I still don't have it in hand, so I got <laughs> yeah. I, I to I gotta get another opportunity here to seal the deal, yes. so... Thank you so much, gentlemen. Please make sure that you uh, check out uh, thehuntfishlife.com. Interact with Hunt Fish Life on Instagram and Facebook. And uh, check out all their sweet gear they got going on in their store. And if you follow them on Facebook, then you know about the great big sticker decal giveaway that just happened uh, a week or two ago so if you aren't following you're missing out there's every now and then they do some giveaways there and then uh make sure you also go to firstgenhunter.com and check out uh the articles and youtube videos and subscribe to the youtube channel and then also of course follow and like and share and comment on uh, social media pages link there through the website and uh trevor do you mind if i uh give you a chance to throw out your uh, Instagram handle here if people want to follow along with what you're doing in the woods? No, that's fine. Uh, my Instagram is tschmidt250. It's T-S-C-H-M-I-D-T-250. Perfect. Yeah, so definitely hop on. There's all kinds of great stuff going there, and, and I'm sure everyone has picked up. Trevor's got a real heart for uh, – giving his daughter a great hunting experience and you see that constantly if you follow this guy on social media he's a very giving uh father when it comes to uh sharing hunting with his daughter and so really an inspiring thing and and a lot of fun to watch them uh share those uh those uh special um Mm. uh, times together so Mm -hmm. thank you again gentlemen for hopping on the show and uh can't wait to uh see what the rest of deer season has for you thank you for having me i appreciate it Absolutely. Thanks, Cap. Yep. Good luck, everyone, in First Gen Nation, and take care and take someone hunting.